All my life, been grinding all my life Sacrifice, hustle pay the price Want a slice, got to roll the dice That's why, all my life, I been grinding all my life It's time to grind! Hello everyone and welcome to the Grounded Podcast. I'm your host Randall Tucker. That was Nipsey Hussle bringing us in with his song Grinding All My Life. Let's hit that rail we call life and let's grind it. Welcome into the Grounded Podcast. We're going to finish up John chapter 4 in this podcast. I just want to uh, remind you of the interviews that I've done uh, with with several people. If you would go back and, and check out those interviews because the, the reason why we do those interviews is so that you can hear these people's story of how they have faced life challenges and how God has helped them bring them through those life challenges and they've overcome them uh, by, by the help of God. And the point in me sharing those testimonies is that you will be encouraged not to give up but to keep going, to, to, to grind it. And so the, the last two that I did was with uh, the pastor at Partnership Christian Church, Mark Howard. He's been a pastor, or he's been in ministry since 1974. He shares a lot of wisdom. Uh, and also Adam Cook, who plays on the worship team at Partnership Christian Church uh, with me and, and others. Uh, he is also a local cop or a police officer here in Maryville. And he shares some of his testimony and, and, and some bad choices that he made and, and how God has helped him and his family through those those uh, situations. And so go back and find those interviews and, and, and take a listen. I, I promise you, you, you'll be encouraged and you will want to share those uh, with your friends and family as well. And also, I want to take just a minute just to thank you for listening to, to, to the Grinded Podcast and sharing uh, this podcast with your family and friends. And I, I just want to thank you for that and, and God bless you um, for doing that. Uh, but let's finish up John chapter 4. And I just want to start off by saying, you know, right now, racism has been going on for a long time. It's nothing new. Even before uh, the blacks and the whites and the Black Lives Matter and, 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 and the slavery and all, all that stuff that goes along with what we think of racism. Racism has been going on for thousands of years. Uh, it's nothing new. Uh, and the Samaritans were, they were the hated people of their day. The Jews absolutely hated the Samaritans. Now, you want to talk about racism. I mean, that that's that was pure racism going on. And the Jews considered themselves unclean if they touched Samaritan soil. And yet, here's a Jew, several Jews, because Jesus had some of his disciples with him as they traveled through Samaria. And this Jewish man sits down with a Samaritan woman and asks her for a drink from her own water pot. You want, you want to know how you, you get over racism? You be like Jesus. Jesus knows no color. He knows no race. He knows no nationalities. He knows no genders. He, he, he doesn't even care if you're confused about your gender. What he cares about is your soul. And if we want to get past racism, then we've got to be like Jesus. And what we have done in our country over the past 30 to 40 years is we have tried our best to take God out of everything when we should have been putting Christ in everything. He is the answer to all of this crap that's going on in our world, in our society. Look at all the, 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 the murders, the, 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 the killings, and, and not only that, but the, the abortions and, 
all this evil that's going on in our world. Jesus is the answer. Why do we want to take God out of everything when he's the answer? You put God back into our lives and, and you see people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and are, are, are showing fruit of the Spirit, you'll see a mighty change in our world and especially in America and in our society. And that's exactly what happened when Jesus went to the well and had this conversation with this woman and offered her living water. He offered her hope. He offered her salvation. And she goes back to her village and she tells all these people and they come out and they meet Jesus for themselves. That's the way it works. And when God comes into somebody's life through the power of his Holy Spirit, when when we are filled with Jesus and we're living for Jesus, it's just a better place. The world would be so much better. We have to be people of grace and mercy and share the hope of Christ. And so in John chapter 4, it's going to end with Jesus returning to Galilee. And he even goes back to Canaan where he turned the water into wine. And he's visiting there. And, and all of a sudden, this government official, he comes from Capernaum because he had heard about Jesus being there. And he chases Jesus down and he's, he's begging Jesus to come home with him because he has a child, a son who is very sick. And he, he, I mean, Jesus is his last hope. Let's just put it that way. The child is dying. And without Jesus coming to his house and healing him, that he's going to lose his son. So he's desperate. And when you read this passage, you can sense the man's desperation. But Jesus doesn't go to Capernaum. He doesn't go to his house. He simply tells the man that his son will live and just to go back home. Now, I don't know about you, but if one of my children were dying and there was a doctor available that had the cure and he just told me to go home, I'm not sure how... How would I would act? Because I don't think I would to believe him. I I I'm just like, dude, my child is dying, and without you going with me, he he's he's not gonna live. And I love my child, and I want my child to be around. You had the cure. You are the answer. Please come home with me and heal my child. And Jesus just says, "Go home. Your child will be better." I mean. <clears throat> That's not what this man did. He didn't do like I would have done. He simply went home. He did what Jesus told him to do. And as he's going home, I mean, can you, that is just great faith. That is absolutely great faith because he has chased Jesus down and he's constantly, continually begging him to please come to my house or my child's going to die without you. And Jesus says, I'm not going to your house. Just go home. Your, your son will live. And by that man turning from Jesus and going home without Jesus just shows his faith. And as this man is traveling home, John says that his servants come out to greet him with some news. Now, I'm going to speak from just my perspective. If, if I was that guy, and I saw them servants come out to meet me, I would probably be thinking the worst. Because I, I, I would I would struggle with Jesus not coming home with me. I, I know me. I know my faith. It's not as strong as I, I would like for it to be. There's there's usually some doubt that creeps in. And I couldn't help but if I was traveling home to doubt, I would be praying the whole time, Lord, 
please let that man be right. Please let my son be healed. Please let my son be okay. And then here comes my servants, and they're coming out, and they're going to give me this news. I know how I am, and my mind would probably go into a bad place. And I would think that my son's dead, and they're coming out to tell me. But that's not what happens. This man's faith was great. He trusted in what Jesus said. And as he's going home, his servants come out, and, he, and, and they tell him the good news. He asks about his son, and they say, Your son is alive and well. He is doing just fine. His fever is completely gone. And so the guy asks, uh, the government official asks, he says, What time did he get better? And they tell him, yesterday afternoon, about 1 o'clock, his fever just disappeared. I mean, these servants are sitting here doctoring this child, if you will. They're, they're, they're watching over this child, and he has this huge fever, and he's about to die. And they're waiting for him to die, or they're hoping that the, the, the government official can get to Jesus, and Jesus is going to come and heal him. But all of a sudden... The child's fever is gone, and the child is just fine. The child is getting out of the bed, and he's going to play with his toys and everything. Can you imagine being these servants and seeing the? I mean, it's not like they had cell phones back then; they could text the guys like, "Hey, your son's fine." No, there was a time lapse in there. The guy had to travel back home. He had well, he had to travel to find Jesus, and then he had to travel back home. And so they share with him the good news and it would i mean it would it's just, it would just blow my mind to see this event happen and yet because of this guy's faith Jesus did exactly what he said he would do and that reminds me that Jesus has told us his prom, God's promises are yes and amen we can take God at his word there is no reason for me or you to doubt God If God says he's going to do something, he will do it. If Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, and he does in the book of Hebrews, that's exactly what he means. And even though we're going through uh, life's difficulties and and it gets dark and it, it seems like the sun's not shining anymore and it seems like God has left us and we start to question God, we get mad at God and we say, God, what is going on? Why is this happening to me? Are you not here with me? Are you, are you not listening to me? Yes, he is listening. And yes, he is with you. You are not alone. Just like Michael Jackson said, you are not alone. God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will not let you walk through the valley alone. He says, I'm here. Have faith. Don't doubt. Trust. And that is so hard for us to do because that means we're giving up control. I mean, just like um, Carrie Underwood said, Jesus, take the will. He should have had the will the whole time because sometimes we've gotten ourselves in this valley because of a bad decision that we made and we're having to uh, pay the consequences of that bad decision. But for whatever reason, whatever the life challenge that you're facing, whatever reason why you're there, just know that God is with you. He has not left you alone, even though it may seem like. The devil wants you to think that because the devil wants you to be discouraged. The devil wants you to give up. Do not give up. Jesus said those who endure to the end will be saved. And this guy walked home, and he knew 
without beyond a shadow of a doubt, his son was going to be better. And sure enough, he gets the message from, from his servants that his son is better, that he's fine, and he wants to know what time uh, that he got better. And they tell him it was 1 o'clock. And the Bible says that that was the exact time that Jesus had told him that his son would live. Now get this. In verse 53, verse 53 ends by saying that he and his entire household believed in Jesus. Look at the impact that Jesus has had on this Samaritan woman in that Samaritan village. She was an outcast in her village. Nobody wanted to be around her. That's why she came out to the well in the noonday, so she could be alone. And at the end of the chapter, Jesus is ministering to a family that is a that the head of that family is a government official. Which tells me, and it should tell you, there is no social status with God. He doesn't care who we are and what we look like. And he talks about that when when uh, God was going to look for a new king to replace Saul, and he goes and he tells Jesse Samuel he tells Samuel to to get Jesse's sons, and I'm going to choose a new king to them. And you can go back and read that story in the Old Testament, and. Samuel is looking at Jesse's sons and he says, oh, surely the Lord's picked this one. And God says, nope, I don't look at outward appearances. I look at the heart. And see, we can't see people's hearts. We can see fruit, but we can't see people's heart. And God says, I look at the heart and I don't choose any of these. And and Samuel says, Jesse, God don't choose any of these sons of yours. You got any more children? And he says, well, I left this boy at home. He's my youngest. He's tending sheep. And Samuel says, go get him. And we're going to stay right here until you come back. And as soon as Samuel lays eyes on David, God says, that's the one. David wasn't even invited to the party, but yet God chose him king. We look at outward appearances. We place people in categories. And we shouldn't do that because we, when we place people in categories, what happens is we have categories that say, I don't like this type of person, and so therefore I'm not going to talk to this type of person. I'm not going to have anything to do with them if they fit in this category. And so we place people in categories, and and then if they don't measure up to our standards, we don't have anything to do with them. And that's not Jesus. Jesus says regardless who you are, where you're at on the social uh, status, whatever race, whatever nationality, whatever, I love you. I, I died for you. And you are given the opportunity to be filled with my Holy Spirit, this river of water that just it, it comes forth eternally. And you can be with me in heaven forever. We have to be Jesus. We have to share Jesus. We have to extend God's grace and mercy. And that's what John 4 is really all about. Are we doing that? And if not, why not? And will you? Somebody else lost their board and didn't know who it was. The board out, 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 blank, right on my shoulder. You know, Jesus, when he shared with that lady at the well, he talked about giving her living water. And I shared that passage in, in another chapter, John, where he says the living water is the Holy Spirit. And I just want to 
share a couple of passages um, before we leave this topic. And one is the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, what does a Christian look like? What does a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit, who is living for Jesus, what do we look like or what should we look like? I guess I should say. And in Galatians 5, Paul gives us the fruit of the Spirit. But I want to back up to verse 19. He says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, and anything that we put before God is an idol. Anything that we put before God becomes an idol. So he's not just talking about statues here. But he says if, if, if we're following the desires of our sinful nature, if we're living for ourselves, if we're being selfish, then we're full of sexual immorality, full of impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, or witchcraft, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, he says, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that is people who are not filled with the living water, who are not filled with the Holy Spirit. They're living for themselves. And when when I read read through that list, I, I can just see America. I can just see our society. It's it it is so messed up because we have fought to take God out of everything. And Paul says, You want to take God out of everything? This is what you get. And this is why there's racism. This is why there's hatred. This is why people can Kill back in when I was a kid, we had fights. That's how we settle things. But now somebody would rather shoot you than to fight you. And the thing is that somebody can pull a trigger because we just had a, a, a 22 year old man shoot a five year old who was riding his bicycle point blank in the head and not care. Didn't blink an eye. Why? Because we have taken God out of everything. And we no longer think that, that, that Christ is in, these, uh, in His Word is important. We think they're outdated values and we've got to update everything. And, and because we've taken God out of our societies, out of our society, and out of our world, and out of our lives, that we see this. People living for themselves and their hearts have grown cold and callous. And they have no conscience. And they don't care. But Paul says in verse 22, he says, But the Holy Spirit, that living water, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. That's what he starts off with. Very first thing, love. And that's a special kind of love. That's a love that's unconditional. That's how God loved us. Like I shared in the last podcast, that while we were enemies, Christ died for us. He made us friends again through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Listen to what he says about the fruit of the Spirit. And that is the, that's the key. I might not can be able to see your heart. Jesus can. God can. I can't. But I can see what type of fruit you're producing. And I can tell if you are living by the leading of the Holy Spirit. I can tell if Jesus is first place in your life. And, you can, and the same thing, you can look at me. And you can look at the fruit that I produce. And you can tell if I'm living for Christ or not. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, if we don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, we may have a few of these characteristics. There's good people who uh, do not have Christ in their lives, and they're still good people. They're not saved, and they're not going to heaven, but they're good people. There's people who claim to be Christians and who claim to be living for Jesus that have such a bad attitude, nobody can stand them. And there's people in the world who are nicer than Christians. I mean, that's just, a, that's just truth. But he says something here about people who are full of the Holy Spirit. He says they have self-control. And that's one of the things that is lacking in our world and our society is self-control. We're out of control, man. Rioting. I want rights. This is... Uh, I, I I don't. We're trying to change the genders, Z, Zim, whatever. And, you know, it's not just a boy and a girl anymore. It's all these. It's not he and she. It's whatever. We're out of control. And the reason why we're out of control is because God is not in control. Oh, He's in control. He's definitely in control. But we think He's not in control. We think we're in control. And we think that we can be in control and make these decisions without God. And all we're doing is making it worse for ourselves. Because we have taken God out of everything when we should be putting God in everything. And especially in our lives. Because like I said a while ago, when we live for Jesus, it's just a much better, we're a much better people. And when we share Jesus and other people's lives are changed by the power of Christ, it just makes the world a better place. I don't understand why we want to take God out of everything. But the first thing that he started off with in the fruit of the Spirit was love. And I want to end this podcast by sharing 1 Corinthians 13. It talks. It, we call it the love chapter. He says, Paul says to the church at Corinth, he says, If I could speak all the languages of the earth, and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be a, I, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secrets plan, secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, and we live here in the mountains, so I, I can picture this happening. He says, if I had such faith that I could move a mountain, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. 
If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I'd have gained nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. And love keeps no record of being wronged. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfect, imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I just got a simple question for you. As we end this podcast, do you love? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus loved us so much. God loved us so much that he would send Jesus into this nasty, terrible, pathetic world that we live in. People hating, people killing, people just doing all these nasty old sins, living for ourselves, and not even showing any shame, and giving God the middle finger, and saying, look what I'm doing, God. I don't need you. And God's sitting there saying, I need you, and I love you. And in fact, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to send my son to die on a cross, go through such cruel, horrific death, so much pain. And he's going to be hung out of the city gates and be put on public display and be just humiliated. And in three days he's gonna be he's gonna be put in a tomb and in three days he's gonna come out of that tomb victorious and he's gonna hold the keys of death and hell. And you know why? Because you need a savior. I need a savior. We can't do it without God. We have to have Jesus. We are not in control. And I just read to you. When we think we're in control, we just make a huge mess of things. And we've taken God out of everything that we can and still try to. And we still shake our fist at God. We still give God the middle finger. And he still says, I love you. And I want to save you. And just like that lady at the well, I'm giving you a chance to have living water. 
to be filled with my spirit and live for me. The choice is, will you live for him? Or will you continue to live your own life, doing your own thing? You might can do it and get away with it. But when you take your last breath, you'll find out that you weren't really in control. God is. And he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Don't let that happen to you. Be filled with God's Spirit. Choose Jesus. Choose love, real love, and love others. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just my, grind it. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, love, all my life, been grinding all my life.